This episode of The Hour on the Renewal Ministries Podcast Network is brought to you by ID, the Young Adult Outreach of Renewal Ministries. We are dedicated to helping young adults, people in their 20s, 30s, married, single, with or without kids, become intentional disciples of Jesus Christ. Today on the podcast, on The Hour, we're running it back with something we did back in the spring called the Still Small Voice Challenge. You may remember on a previous episode of The Hour, we brought in Father John Burns, the, the interview I had with him from day one of that challenge. This is Heather Kim from day three of the challenge. And the reason I'm highlighting uh, our conversation today on the hour is twofold. One, because it's an awesome conversation about hearing the Father's voice. Heather is wise, she's holy, she's deep, and she's articulate. And uh, we just had a fabulous discussion back in the spring, and I want more people to hear it. And secondly, we are about to launch another challenge called the Experience God's Power Challenge starting September 7th through the next four days after that. It's free. You can go to idchallenges.com to register. Like I said, it's free four days in a row starting at 12.30 p.m. Eastern Time. We'll go live each day. We've got an incredible lineup of speakers um, people like Patty Mansfield, Sarah Kazmarek, who's been on the hour before, uh, a guy named Aaron Richards, who works for Damascus in Ohio, just really anointed people who uh, live in the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's the whole point of the challenge. How do we experience and walk in the power of God's Spirit? So I wanted to give you a flavor of what a challenge is like by reintroducing you to Heather and her content from last spring. So, this is Heather Kim talking about how we hear the Father's voice. We have a great discussion. I hope you enjoy it. But first, as always, my friend, Connor Flanagan. Today, we're going to be diving into hearing the Father's voice. What does the Father have to say about who we are, what we're made for, and where we're going, and how do we distinguish the Father's voice from the various noises around us, and why is it so vitally important that we're able to zero in and listen to what our Father, our good Father, our loving Father has to say about us. So, to, in order to do that, we have uh, a guest with us, as usual. We have Heather Kim. She's a Canadian, she's a mother, she's a wife, and she's a co-host for a very popular and very deep podcast called Abiding Together. Heather, welcome to the Still Small Voice Challenge. Thank you so much, Pete. It's so good to see you. So good to be with you all. So you heard me describe a little bit of, of where we're going uh, mm -hmm. and where, I guess where we've been and where we hope to go today. And um, <clears throat> my first question, and we've, we haven't been messing around with a lot of fluff in these sessions. We're kind of like diving right into the meat. So I hope you're okay with that. Um, yeah, yeah. So the first question I want to ask you is just, when you think about hearing the Father's voice, mm -hmm. simple question, why is that important? I think it's everything, you know, and I, <clears throat> I often like when I'm, when I'm speaking, I talk about going back to the very beginning to the garden and it's not just because I think it's a good idea. It's something that I have found personally is so vitally important for me to go back and to remember the whole entire story. Because if I just think about like where I am right now and my circumstances and how crazy the world is, like things just get really complicated and I start to get frustrated or I feel down or I get overwhelmed or anxious or whatever. So to just like reorient ourselves in the story of like, we were made in the image and likeness of God, but we were made out of love. Like he is love itself and we were made in his image and we were made for him and to be like him and to experience love on a deep, deep level. And so when the rupture occurred in the garden, you know, like we just see this, this rupture in relationship. And so to remember that that's at the heart of it all is relationship. You know, it's relationship with God the Father, it's relationship with Jesus, relationship with the Holy Spirit that's of vital importance, that that is truly what we were made for. That's what Adam and Eve did. It says they walked around in the cool of the day, um, walking and talking with God. I'm like, what? Like, what would that yeah. be like? Just like walk outside in your backyard and be like, hey, you know, like there's God, like let's just go for our daily walk and talk to each other. But that's what it was meant to be like for us. That's where we truly will find our life. So I think just like reorienting, reorienting ourselves in the story a little bit is helpful to remember this is actually what it's all about. And anyone that I have a relationship, especially a deep intimate relationship with, 
we talk a lot and I know their voice and I know what they're saying and I know what they're saying even when they're not talking. Do you know what I mean? So there's yeah. a lot involved there. And I think just to remember that God desires relationship with us more than we can fathom. And it's not a collective relationship with the world. It's a personal relationship with each one of us. And so even moments where I've found myself just going like the creator of the entire universe who breathes out stars wants to hang out and spend time with me and be in relationship with me. I'm like, you know, like we should be floored by that. The fact that the, that God wants to even talk to us and be in relationship with us. Like we, we look for attention from so many places. Like I want to be seen. I want to be known. I'm like, okay, the creator of the entire universe sees me. And he wants me, you know, not just me, he wants all of us. He wants to have that personal relationship. So when I reorient myself in that truth, I'm like, okay, this is very enticing. Suddenly it doesn't sound like a chore. You know, it sounds very enticing. So, yeah, well, we're going to unpack a lot of what you just said there. I thought that that's a great foundation of where we want to go with this Mm -hmm. session. Let's, let's zero in on specific elements of what you just said. Mm -hmm. Um, The fact that we were made to be in relationship with God, that any separation we feel from him was not the original design Mm -hmm. and that the experience of being separated from God or not being able to just walk through the garden and communicate with him, that was not the original intent. And so Mm -hmm. sin has ruptured that. Drive drive home that point a little bit more about the the essence of that original purity and and desire from the father to be in intimate relationship with us and how sin has has ruined that in some mm-hmm. in some regards mm-hmm. yeah really wrecked the whole thing i mean you know we can talk deep theology about all of that but at the end of the day it's like this was not supposed to happen this was not like what we are living in now was not the original plan that God had for us. Like it was love. It was pure. It was free. It was joy. It was complete satisfaction. There was Adam and Eve were not crying in the garden. They were just completely fulfilled and in love with each other and in love with God. And it was just this like very easy, like I'm pouring out and I'm receiving because they were in perfect, perfectly imaging who God is. And that's who he is. You know, he's a love that generates, that pours out. And so that's why we were created to be begin with is that his love just doesn't stop. Like it always gives life. And so we were created out of that love and our hearts were made like him. You know, we were made Mm. in his image, which is for love. And that's what we all burn for, you know, and we take that into sinful ways all the time. But at the end of the day, most of our sin starts with a good desire, a desire for something that is good because our hearts are aching for that original love and union with God. And I just side note for a second, that's not impossible, you know, and that's Hmm. where we need to, we need to remember like what was lost in the garden, Jesus came to restore and he is, and he did, and he's in the process of restoring that within each of us still. But to go back to the garden, you know, that rupture that occurred, we have to notice there, there's an enemy. It didn't just happen. There was an enemy that came in with another voice that started speaking to Adam and Eve. And, He's good. I love John Eldridge. He says, you know, he's called the father of lies. He's not the father of ridiculous suggestions or we would never believe what he (laughs) says. Like the enemy is really sneaky and he's really, he's really good at just like subtly deterring our attention and asking questions that questioned actually the heart of God. And that's exactly what he did. So his questions that he kept like slyly posing to Adam and Eve caused them to question the heart of God. And the, the dialogue in their mind must've been something like, is God really good? Yeah. Why is he saying we can't eat this tree? Like, what if he's holding out on us? What if there's something better than what we're experiencing right now? And when I put it in that context of just regular language, or I put myself in that scene, I'm like, oh man, I hear that voice all the time. I question that all the time. Like, God, is this really like the best you have for me here? Like maybe there's another way, you know, so I'm going to try another way. And I've done that (laughs) thousands of times in my life. And, uh, regrettably thousands of times, you know? Yeah. So, so yeah, this, this rupture occurs because they, they just went along with this other voice. They didn't listen to the voice of God. They didn't trust that he, his heart was good and that he had everything good for them, that he wasn't a withholding God, that he actually was giving them everything that would make them fully alive. And so I think that rupture is something we can look at 
in the story and also see it mirrored within our own lives, that there are places of rupture where the enemy has whispered lies to us and we've made an agreement with those lies that, yeah, maybe God's holding out or maybe he's far away or he doesn't care about me. I'm not important to him. Why, why wasn't he there when I needed him most? Like he, he must not care, you know, but he cares about other people or whatever it might be. We all have this rupture several times, but usually there's like a main theme rupture in our own heart and, and mind and life uh, where it obscures the voice, the true voice of God. And it's important for us that we recognize what that is. And we can talk about that more. Yeah, no, I, I, I think, do want to talk about that. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I think, you know, to recognize like what did Adam and Eve do after they sinned? Like they, they hid. You know, God didn't hide from them. They, they hid from God. And I love the part where he's in the, he goes into the garden to, it's like their regular time to get together and hang out and talk. And he's like, where are you? That scripture in Genesis, just that line has leapt out to me so many times because we could read that where God is like mad and he's like, where are you guys? You know, and he's like in a rage. And I think, you know what, to be honest, I think often we do that. We put a voice or a tone to scripture, to what God says that isn't who he is, but it's influenced by other things or other people in our life. And so the way that I have read that and how God has transformed, even how I hear his own voice is just this kind, like, where are you, Adam, Eve, where are you? You know? And they're like, I was naked. So I hid, I was scared and I was naked. So I hid and I'm like, okay, that is very, very real. I think for a lot of us, when we encounter God or when we approach God, like I'm scared. And so I'm going to hide because I don't know what you're going to say. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man, you just keep, you keep bringing up all the sorts of different trails that I can't wait to Mm -hmm. go down, but we have the time to do it. So I'm not going to rush this. Um, Mm -hmm. So like you said, Jesus came to restore, hold Mm -hmm. that. I can't wait Mm -hmm. to talk about that. Mm-hmm, uh, I love what you just said about a voice or tone that we kind of project on the father mm-hmm. that is usually coming from a wounding place of mm-hmm. uh, maybe it's our own father. Maybe it's a lack of a father. Maybe it's various circumstances, sins that we've committed, things that we actually then obscure the true voice of the father because of our own weakness and wounding. So mm-hmm. let's dive into that a little bit more in the sense that you said that through our own individual sin, we all have experienced a similar, if not the same rupture that the Adam and Eve experienced, that we, mm-hmm. our original innocence is, is stolen from us. Original mm-hmm. sin is, is a part of our reality. And then through baptism, praise God, that, that is restored to some degree. But there's still then the personal sin, right, that, that continues to emphasize mm-hmm. that rupture or even mm-hmm. feed that rupture. But you said something very interesting. You said that often the lies that we listen to, those cunning almost like a still small voice of the devil mm-hmm. that, that leads us astray. You said often centers around a main theme or kind of mm-hmm. a, a focus point. What do you mean exactly by that? And how do we go about identifying that? Because I think mm-hmm. that that seems like a very critical thing that if we don't pay attention to the ways that we're believing the lies and the ways that the lies are often spoken to us, we won't actually be able to kind of clear out the space in our head and our heart to hear the voice of the father. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's like many of us find ourselves in a fog. You know, um, I remember uh, I used to, we used to live up on a mountain and I would drive my kids to school in the morning and it overlooked this valley and this like gorgeous, like snow peak mountain. It had snow on it all year round. It was just like magnificent. And um, there was one morning in particular that we were driving and there was this like layer of fog that was sitting below this mountain. So it was like stunning. The sun was out and, and the way that the sun hit the fog, it made it look like the ocean. I mean, it was just Mm. like mind blowing. It was so, so beautiful. So the kids and I are like, Oh my gosh, like, look at this. So amazing. But as we drove down the hill and we drove into the fog, you know, we couldn't see anything. It was like pea soup fog. Like couldn't, you, yeah. you didn't know it was sunny up there. You, you couldn't see barely in front of you or behind you, you know? And I mm-hmm. felt the Lord just like speak very gently to me and say, Heather, this is often how you live your life. Or you mm-hmm. don't know where you've come from and you don't know where you're going and you have no idea what is right above you that is glorious and beautiful and amazing. And I was like, oh my gosh, like this is so, so true. And I think it's not just true for me, but it's true for all of us. We often live in this fog of like, we don't even understand our own story. Like we don't understand this story. 
we don't understand the whole salvation story well enough that this isn't just a book or it's not Adam and Eve's story and it's not, you know, Job's story and all these people. This is our story. This is our history right here. And if we don't understand this, then our life doesn't make sense at all. And then within that context, we have our own story that is also a part of the big story of salvation, you know, and that, that what was mirrored in here is mirrored in our life. Like there is an enemy. We are in a world at war. He is attacking us. If we don't know that, my goodness, we are being taken out all over the place. And I think that's Mm. true for the majority of us. If we don't know that there's an enemy that is specifically speaking into certain parts of our life, well, my goodness, like we are being taken right out. And it's like, we're in the fog. We don't know what's hitting us or from where (laughs) we can't see where it's coming from. And so I think it's important to go, God is telling a story, a beautiful story, and he is singing this beautiful love story over our lives. Simultaneously, there is another story that the enemy is speaking, and he is singing an out-of-tune song, and it sort of sounds similar to the real one, but there's a twist to it. It's just this out-of-tune melody that is being played over our individual lives. And I think all of us have themes of wounds in our life. We're like, why does this keep happening over and over and over again? And there's a deep part of us that thinks, because it must be true. Yeah, why do I always feel inadequate or whatever? Well, in all of these situations, I can tell you why that feels true. It's because the enemy is pounding on us on certain themes in our life, because he knows this is the way that he is going to keep us separated from God, that he is weaving this out of tune lie over our life that he wants us to agree with. And when we agree with that, it shuts down just within our own heart and mind, the truth of God. And that's what we have to like you know, experience healing and restoration in that place is to go, no, I, I'm, I don't want to believe this lie anymore that the enemy is saying, I want to open up my heart to the truth and the light and the mercy of God here. And I want to believe his story that he is telling over my life because he doesn't lie. He's telling the truth and I can trust him. You know, but often we go back into those places. We're like, can I trust him? I don't know. Yeah. You know, like, and that, that's the Adam and Eve echo, like within yeah. all of us. So. Mm-hmm. Can you give some examples in your, maybe from your own life or um, from the, the people you've worked with of common themes and common lies that, that seem to, I love how you said they, they become so pervasive and so uh, almost like habitual. They just mm-hmm. become, they almost become a, this, this weird part of our identity. You know, it's like a growth on the body that you just kind of mm-hmm. live to you learn to live with, you know, mm-hmm. but they're not true and they need to be, they need to be cut off. But sometimes we're just, we become so used to them. We don't even notice you know we just don't even we uh, again the fog analogy is a beautiful and we just haven't even risen above it to even notice that this actually that might not be true i might Mm -hmm. that might not be true about what i'm saying about myself do you have some common themes that you've seen or common ways that that is expressed in people's lives yeah i mean i want to start with um i want to share a personal story but i just want to start with this um this quote from the catechism in 239 it says the language of faith thus draws on the human experience of parents who are in a way the first representatives of God for man. But this experience also tells us that human parents are fallible and can disfigure the face of fatherhood and motherhood. He also transcends human fatherhood and motherhood. And although he is their origin and standard, my favorite part, no one is father as God is father. Mm -hmm. So it's important to notice that like even the catechism is acknowledging that parents are our first experience of God, really. Like when we look at them, it it sort of forms a template by which we look at God through and we experience God through. So knowing that we have, you know, fallible parents, like I love my children desperately, but I also hurt them. I also am not a great parent sometimes, you know, not because I, I want to be horrible, but I, I just am impatient. Sometimes I don't get it right. I don't like catch what they're needing in the moment and I can sometimes wound them and that disfigures the face of God, you know? And so when we look at our own lives, like that's a good place to start right there. I had wonderful parents, but because they still fall short, there are things that were communicated to me, whether through words or not, you know, that, that maybe it's in like, you know, you got to get it right, you know, and you can't make mistakes and stuff like that, that that becomes then how I see God and how he interacts with me. And so we need to allow those things to be healed. If we had parents that were 
were harsh, demanding, you know, who punished us severely, that it's impossible for us to not then look at God through that lens in some way, shape, or form. It does impact us on a very deep level, but nothing is beyond God's restoration. So it, it, in some ways, it's like, it's okay. Like, no matter what the story is, at the end of the day, it's okay. And nothing is yeah. too too big for God to handle. So my own personal life, you know, I grew up in a Catholic family and wonderful, all that stuff. But um, there was like some really other things going on in the family that were really, really difficult that no one knew about, you know, secrets and whatever. And it just like, it was like psychological and spiritual abuse that I was experiencing as a young child. And so I lived with a tremendous amount of fear for many, many years. And I would just like lay in my bed at night and like cry out to God because I believed that he was there, you know, but I was also experiencing like a lot of evil around. And I, I also believe the enemy was there. And so I would cry out to God over and over again, like, please come and help me, please take this away. And I was in a panic. And it was just like very, very traumatic. And my, my belief at that time was that God wasn't coming, that he was just up there in heaven somewhere, looking down with his arms folded, and he could come and help me, but he wasn't going to. And so that experience as an 11 year old, just put, it was like the enemy just said, God doesn't care. And he's just watching and he's not going to help you. So it's up to you to do it on your own. And I heard that and I went, yeah, that sounds true. Like it wasn't like a, a conscious, yes, I'm agreeing with this lie. But in my heart, I was like, that feels and sounds so true. That must be what's going on. So that was my agreement with that lie that occurred right then, 11 years old. I didn't know any better. Not my fault. You know, not my fault. None of this was my fault. But you can see just how unrelenting the enemy is that even with children, even those young, young ages where we're so susceptible, he is unrelenting with his lies. And so as I grew up, that message was just sort of in the back of my mind, like rolling around in the fog somewhere. I didn't know where it was coming from. And I haven't been able to articulate that until much later in my life. But how that played out was that it was all up to me. I was so self-reliant, even though I was in relationship with God, I went to Steubenville, studied theology in ministry in the church, all those things felt like I was depending on God, but there was all of these layers under the surface where I was like, God might not come through. So I got to be the backup plan for everything and everyone in my life. And yeah, to be honest with you, it was absolutely crushing by the time I hit 35. I was just like, <laughs> okay, I like actually trying to be God. So that's not working for me and had to go through all of these layers of like recognizing where did this come from that I started to believe that it was all up to me and that I had to be vigilant in this really unhealthy way. And I think we all have those places where we're like, I don't know if God is good like that might be a big one for someone, or I feel like I have to perform for his love. That might be a big one. You know, um, I feel like God doesn't care that I'm not worthy because of the sins that I've committed, that I'm not worthy. And that seems to be reaffirmed over and over and over again, maybe by other people, maybe by circumstances, maybe both. But the enemy was what I'm saying, like he will slam you over and over again with whatever those themes are. And I hear them in people that I work with and journey with and talk with, even my own family members, the lies are subtle, but they wreak havoc throughout, you know, an individual's life. Quick break to remind you to go to idchallenges.com to find more about the free four-day Experience God's Power Challenge. Four days of speakers, four days of activations, four days of live videos to help you step into the power that God has for your life. Don't wait around. Just go to idchallenges.com to learn more and to register for free. Okay. Back to Heather. You know, thank, well, thank you for sharing your personal story there. I think that uh, put a lot of flesh to what you were saying in a really helpful and, and uh, convicting way. I mean, I can definitely resonate with a lot of what you said, especially the, the parenthood thing. I Just full, mm -hmm. full transparency. I was not a great dad this morning. You know, I had to mm -hmm. actually repent mm -hmm. as I left the house this morning going like, man, I got to. Mm -hmm. Kind of get that together, Lord. That that was not the way you wanted me to 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 treat grace this morning, you know. So, mm -hmm. um, so it, it is very real. And then, of course, we know that love and mercy covers a lot multitude of sins. And we're going to get to the restoration part mm -hmm. in a, in a second here. Um, how how do you how do you kind of justify in your own head and heart 
the two realities of we're in a battle and uh, there's a there's a loud voice that's vying for our attention. That is the enemy in all mm -hmm. of the en enemy's minions, whether mm -hmm. that be explicit or implicit, whether that's kind of like him using social media to make you question your self-worth or whatever, you know, like there's the, the noise of the world. And so we're holding that and saying that is we are in a battle and we need to be aware of it. But then also we have a very good father who is speaking truth to us and who wants us to hear it, who wants us to be restored by it. And yet, mm -hmm. gosh, doesn't it feel like his voice is so hard to hear and it's, it's so still and so silent that it basically is like non-existent. I mean, how mm -hmm. do you, it, 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 at least it appears that way. How do you live in those two things or what, how have you learned to kind of navigate that to actually live in the father's voice and not the voice of the world? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think a lot of it has to do with um, getting back into what has God already said. You know, there is so much truth that is right here and that we have access to at any time. And we can pour over these words at any time and listen to what God is saying. You know, like I love in Jeremiah 29, 11, a lot of people quote that like initial scripture where it says like, um, I, I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord plans to bring about a future full of hope and prosperity. And then he goes on to say, if you call me, if you seek me with your whole heart, you will find me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm like, Okay. Here's the thing. He's not playing games with us. He is not playing hide and seek. That's why I said at the beginning, like we were the ones that hid. God is not hiding. Like he wants us to find him. And in fact, we are the ones that need to be found. We need to put ourselves in a place where he can find us. And I think often like the, the amount of time that we spend listening to other voices, and even Father Mike Schmidt said this about his Bible in a Year podcast, which is just like crazy exploding, was like so difficult for him is that he's hearing all these other voices, but what about the voice of God in scripture? Like we've forgotten to listen to this voice. Sometimes we might think, well, this is kind of irrelevant or it doesn't really speak speak to me or whatever, you know, but this is a gift that we can ask for that we can just say, like, I remember as a young teenager, just saying, God, like, can you just help me to see you in all of these places? Like when I go to mass, I hate it. It's boring. I don't get it. You know? Yeah. And I just prayed. I was just very honest. I was like, like, can you just show me where you are? Like, I want to know you. I really do. And I think that coming to him with that sincerity and just saying like, Lord, help me to know your voice but also then being proactive about ways that we're going to find his voice and listen to it and make time for it and make space for it. We know what to do often. We're just kind of lazy or we're slow to do it. Like we know yeah. that it's good to make a prayer time every day and it's good to sit in silence and that silence is actually really, really important, but we get scared of the silence. It's hard, you know, and then it all of a sudden, like all of these other voices start running around. So we got it we got to settle. We got to press through that. We got to let those other voices come to listen to the voice of God. I think we've just been honestly like confused for far too long. And we've maybe put ourselves at the center of, you know, we're going to decide like what, what our identity is. We see this in the culture all the time, but we also experience it personally. Like I'm going to decide who I am, or I'm going to let other people decide who I am or tell me who I am, even if it's good and empowering and whatever, like we need to let God bestow upon us. Like as the father did with Jesus, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Like we each individually need to hear the personal anointing and voice of God upon us saying, you are my beloved, that there is nothing that you can do that will ever change that or that anybody could ever do that is going to take you away from my heart and, and the love that I have for you. If we don't know that, it's going to be very hard to navigate things. So I think starting with scripture is absolutely important. I know that that's been talked about already yeah. a number of times this week. Um, but I do think that God does want to speak to us in the stillness of our hearts. And so getting to know his voice, just like I get to know my husband's Jake's voice, like I don't need to say, who is this when he calls? Like, I know it's him because I've heard his voice a lot. You know, I've listened to it, but I also can read him. I can also feel what he's feeling because I'm so sensitive to who he is. Jesus is a real person. He has a body. He's a real guy. The father is real too. But I mean, like if we need something substantial, like Jesus came in the flesh so that we could see him as a real person to relate to. And we too can learn his voice and his, even his silence, what is going on in the silence and to be okay with some times of silence.
Yeah, that's fabulous. I, I think one thing that happens I've seen in my own life and um, in, with people we worked with that as we become aware of our wounding and we become aware of the lies that we've been listening to, there's almost this perception that I need to somehow fight my way or kind of swim my way or fly my way out of the fog and then the Lord will heal me and then he'll bring, bring restoration to me and then I'll be okay. But it becomes like this a revelation of the spirit in us that, oh, something's broken that needs to be fixed. So a movement of God to draw attention to these things all of a sudden becomes a personal project of healing until I'm at a certain level. And then the father's voice will be accessible to me. And then I'll be restored all the way and be able to be obedient and be the disciple mm -hmm. that I'm called to be. So. Mm -hmm. So, again, that, that, that's that's clearly not right, that we are not capable of healing ourselves. So how do you. Um, once you become aware of the wounding and the lies, what is the posture then to actually that, that actually leads to restoration? Mm -hmm. I think we do want to do a lot ourselves. And part of that is we don't want to expose it to anybody. It's incredibly painful. Um, yeah. But we do think, yeah, somehow we got to get ourselves out of this mess or, or something like that. But I think it's actually really, really um I wouldn't recommend it that you go into your wounds alone. You know, I think yeah. sometimes we're in a place where we're just too scared to take the lid off. That's a lot of us, right? It's like, I don't even want to go there. Like Heather, why are you even talking about this? Like I'm doing pretty good at coping, but I'm like, Jesus didn't say that you should like, you know, like he came so that you could cope. Like he, he came so that we could have <laughs> life and have it to the full. Like this is not right. how we are meant to live. And that that's the reorientation in like where we're going we're made for heaven. You know, this is like, God wants this union back with us and he has done nothing but pursue humanity ever since that rupture occurred. And he's doing the same within us. He is constantly pursuing, you know, I'm prone to wander. He's prone to chase. Like I love that line in one of the mm -hmm. Maverick city songs. So yeah, even, even the disposition of knowing that like we were made for union, God wants this union. And even in our woundedness now, like we cannot go in there alone. If we look in the scriptures, we see Jesus was the one who always, you know, he went out. Like if we look at um, the widow at Nain, I love that story where she's like crying. Her son has just died. Jesus walks in, you know, to the scene. There's people everywhere. He goes up to the man, like he initiates this, but he also goes to her and he says, don't cry. Like he sees her in her tears, like just so compassionate. He's like, don't cry. And he says that because he's like, cause I know what I'm about to do. I'm going to go heal this guy. He's actually going to sit up and raise from the dead. And we have to look at stories like that and go, this isn't just a story. This is actually who God is. And he can do this with me right now. Like, like Jesus didn't just die on the cross. He rose. And that is what is different about everything that changes everything everything because if Jesus rose from the dead which we believe he did then he rose from the most like horrible death that that you could imagine us too even in our deepest darkest wounds the places that are just maybe just totally infested like the the wounds are like sores everywhere within us and we're like I don't even want to go near near that you know Jesus isn't afraid he's not afraid to go there and so when I say to people, like, if you want to go into your wounds, do not go there alone, because that's all you're going to see. And you're going to be repulsed by it, or you're going to be scared by it. And you're going to want to just run away. You always go in there holding the hand of Jesus and ask the question, Jesus, what do you want me to know? There's yeah. lies in here. What's the truth that you want me to know right now about this? And I had to do that even with that whole, you know, situation that I told you about of my past. Like I had to go through some times of prayer, just saying, Jesus, I believe this lie that you aren't here for me. Where were you? What truth do you want me to know? And what God has revealed to me about how much he was protecting me. I mean, life happens, circumstances happen, suffering happens. It's not to diminish that, but that is part of the fall. That is the rupture that has occurred is that we will experience trouble. But in John, you know, God says like, but fear not, I have overcome the world. You know, right. you will experience trouble, but fear not, I have overcome. And so to just trust and believe that God actually can on this side of heaven, come into those places and bring about restoration and healing. And yes, maybe it's a long road and maybe it's a short road. We don't know but to go with him there because he is the restorer. There is nothing we can do on our own to get out of those messes that usually occurred from other people and sometimes ourselves, you know? Yeah. Isn't it interesting how it's, it's this balancing act of great intentionality of help you know, seeing what's going on within you and, and hearing what you're listening to, 
but then great like surrender in the midst of that of 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 whatever is being brought to the attention just immediately kind of bringing that to the father's feet in mm-hmm. through the hands of Jesus it's basically like handing it to Jesus saying can you go deal with this for me you know like that is mm-hmm. uh that is such a a posture of humility and it's just so hard for us a either out of fear to even go into those places or b out of pride to say like no i all right i'm going to give you the part that i really know i can't handle but i can i can probably handle the rest yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, definitely. I think we do that all the time, you know, and I think to remember, like, we can't, if we focus too much on our wounds, that's also not good. You yeah, know, like right, we can, right. we can get it. And I've seen many people go down that road where it almost becomes like, now your wounds define who you are. It's like, mm-hmm. well, I'm depressed and I have anxiety and it becomes these labels. Maybe you do. I do. I have depression, you know, I'd like, that's okay, but that's not who I am. Like I'm a beloved right. daughter of God. That is something that is occurring. You know, I'm going to work on that. I'm going to keep praying about that. Like Jesus, like let's go into the roots of where that might be coming from. And I'm going to welcome your healing and your truth and forgiveness and whatever. But often we just focus so much on our wounds and our pain that that then becomes almost like our identity. And we have yeah. to be really, really careful about that because God can heal and restore and he wants to. That doesn't have to define who we are. Right. And that I think is one of the critical takeaways of today's session is the the reason we need to drive so much and be so open to the father's voice is because he's the one who reveals and speaks into our who we really are mm-hmm. not what we've done not what we will do not what other people say about our else uh, not what we even say about ourselves that the truth of who we are comes from the mouth of the father um, we're going to dive into some question and answer here in just a few minutes so i want to encourage the chat to ask any questions that you may have for Heather. So one more question before we get into to their questions. Sure. Um, again, maybe take it personally <laughs> uh, and then draw principles for this. But so we mm-hmm. have the scripture to hear the father's voice mm-hmm. and we have the teaching tradition of the church to, to hear, to interpret the scripture for us, to hear the father's voice. But when when you enter into solitude and silence, when you enter into prayer, what have you learned about what's necessary to kind of be attuned to what the Father's going to say, or mm-hmm. not, and, and maybe not trying to anticipate what He's going to say, but being able to navigate that? Because again, this whole challenge is about helping people start to hear the voice of God, mm-hmm. and so. Um, we have the scriptures to, to speak to us. We have other people to speak to us that can can you know can be the voice of the Father for us, but. What does that like personal prayer time look like for you? That stillness, that 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 inner room that we talked about mm-hmm. the first day. What does that look like for you? And what do you think that would mean for all of us listening? Mm-hmm. I think we all need to be aware of if we don't have one, we need to cultivate it. That secret place, that inner room, like that is that secret place is where I go all the time. I carry that with me everywhere. So whether I'm sitting, you know, in my little prayer area back here, or I'm driving kids to and from school or what, whatever, I'm at the grocery store, like there is a place. It's this inner cloister within my heart that I commune with God always that I can go there at any time. Like the scripture tells us things that are true, but they're not supposed to stay on the pages and they're not supposed to just come into my mind. They're also supposed to like become active within my life and experience of who God is. So we know that Jesus is alive in us. The scriptures tell us that, that he has made a home in us. We are a temple of the Holy spirit. Well, that means that we are never, ever, ever alone seriously. So no matter where you find yourself, like, and that is usually where I'm communing with God, like I said, all throughout my day. So yes, it's important to take time in a quiet place to listen to God's voice. And to sometimes just like not read anything, not do anything. Sometimes I'll listen to worship music just to get myself in a disposition to listen to God. For me, that's a vehicle that ushers in the Holy Spirit for me. That might be something for you, maybe not. Um, but to get yourself in a disposition of listening and then to just be quiet, it's these subtle movements of the heart, the whispers of God, you know, to bring before him and say, God, I open up my heart, and my mind to you, to your truth and to your voice. And I ask that you would come and speak to me. What do you want me to know? And sometimes that will come in that moment. And sometimes it will come later in the day. Like I remember my husband, Jake said, (laughs) I didn't know this at the time, but he had been like taking his prayer time and he was really struggling with like, like just 
assuming that God didn't think well of him or whatever it was. So he's sitting in his prayer time and he was like, God, okay, I'm just going to open myself up to the truth. So this is exactly what I was talking about. He's like, what do you think about me? Like, hmm. What do you really think about me? And he just sat there and he sat there and he said, it was like nothing, <laughs> nothing. And he was like, so he, inside he's feeling that frustration of like, of course, you're going to be silent. Like I'm asking you like, so what, I'm just going to keep believing what I believe because obviously you don't even care enough to answer me right now. So he's having all this frustration going on in his yeah. own heart and mind, which is like, this is so human. This is so real what we experience. Yeah. Anyway, after a lot of turmoil and like, he, he just goes, okay, I'm, I'm just going to not give in to all of that. All of those lies. I'm just going to be content and maybe you'll answer me some of the time. So he goes to bed. I just happened to be reading my Bible when he comes in there and he's like, Oh geez. You know, he's just like, Oh great. Yeah. Heather's like having prayer time, whatever. He's just yeah. kind of frustrated. So he gets into bed and I'm like, Oh my gosh. I said, that is amazing. And he's thinking, Oh great. Like God's talking to yeah. you and I'm just yeah. begging him over here. And he's like, you know, just kind of goes, what? And he, and I said, have you ever heard this before? And I didn't know what he had been going through at all. And just in the translation of the Bible I was reading, it said, um, his name is Jacob. So it says, I said, it says here, here, Oh, Jacob, my darling one who my heart loves. <laughs> I said, have you ever heard that? that God said, my darling one. And he just looked at me like that was exactly what he was waiting for was yeah. for it's like, God, what do you think of me? You're my darling one. You're the one that my heart loves. I mean, that's like a big example that doesn't always happen in our life. But, but I do think that there's this disposition of like God's voice comes in a variety of ways. Sometimes it's in the quiet. Sometimes it's through another person. Sometimes it's through beauty. And we need to pay attention to that. God is all that is good and true and beautiful. So his voice is going to come in those ways and we can test, hold it up to the test. Is it what God says here? Is the voice that I'm hearing what I hear in here? Like, is it the tone of kindness and gentleness, maybe conviction too, you know, that leads to repentance, not shame? Like, what is the voice of God? There's things that we know. So when we're listening, we're like, okay, like, God, I know you don't lie. I say this all the time to God. God, I know that you don't lie. So <laughs> like what I'm experiencing right now, like that, that seems to be a lie. It's not true because you said this, hmm. you said that you are kind, loving, whatever, that you're taking care of me. That doesn't seem to be my experience. So it helps me distinguish between the truth and the lies. And I think that's essential in starting to listen to the voice of God. What does he truly sound like? So getting quiet and knowing that his voice is full of goodness, truth, and beauty is really, really important in our discernment. Yeah. 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 And, and, and that just speaks to an earlier point about how often our wounds uh, transform the voice of God. So we're mm -hmm. actually expecting to hear frustration, annoyance, mm -hmm. condemnation, you know, or, or, uh, or a, an angry silence even. And, mm -hmm. and so then even when the Lord speaks, what might be a word of, of love that from a friend or from, we has been co-opted by the, this filter that we've put on the voice of the Lord, which just isn't true. So to be able to just counteract that and just rebuke that is mm -hmm. just, is just fantastic. Just awesome. So we have some questions rolling in here. Uh, let's see. First question. This is yesterday's readings broke my heart when God said he regretted making man. And look back on my sins and have the feeling of brokenness and shame. It's words straight from scripture. How can we get how can get past these words and not question them? Ooh, that's mm -hmm. that's a heavy yeah, one right out of the a, gate. Yeah. And it's a good question. You know, like these are the questions that we need to feel free, not just to ask me or Pete, but to ask yeah. God. Like, God, like this doesn't make sense to me, you know. And I think it's important to look at scripture as a whole like as the whole entire story, not just one thing, because we can take a lot of things. And, and even as we read it in our own languages and translations and whatever, like there's a lot missing in there. And I, I took enough theology classes and scripture classes when I was at university to know like, wow, there's a whole lot that's behind every scripture that's in here that I don't understand when I just read it as a, you know, Canadian kid, like just looking at, at yeah. my Bible. So so there is a lot of context behind that, but I would say like, when you, when you read that, like whoever's asking this question, like it's obviously triggering something deep. And you alluded to that. You said like, this makes me feel this about my sin. 
that's triggering something. And you know what, like this is the, these are those places exactly where either we can let the enemy come in and exploit that where he's going to say, see, God regrets ever making you and you weren't supposed to be here. And, and he doesn't want to accept you because of your sin or you're too far gone or whatever it might be. Or we can listen to what the voice of God wants to say about that exact place and to bring that before him and say, Jesus, like I'm feeling like really unworthy and really like far away from you. And like, you would want to reject me what do you want me to know about this? You know, and we can look in other scriptures to see what he says about that, but to also just ask him. So I think, yeah, it's important to understand context and to read the whole scripture, like to read the whole Bible and to understand the heart of God, because yes, there was a lot of things that went wrong, but we also see over and over again that God created a covenant and over and over again, we see God being faithful and humanity being unfaithful and God is just unrelenting in his pursuit. You know, that even after all of that and after all the mess and all the sin and all the harlots and all the, everything that went wrong, he still sends his son. He's like, it's not enough. It's not enough. It's not enough. I want you back with me. And that message isn't just for, like I said at the beginning, humanity, you know, that message is for you personally. Yeah. Great answer. I could, I think I could see where that would touch one of the wounds that I've seen a lot in mm -hmm. people we've worked with is this feeling of being unwanted or mm -hmm. unlovable because of what has been done to the point that it's like, it would be better to just wipe the slate clean, start over, hit the reset button. That's what the, mm -hmm. that's what God really wants to do with me. He doesn't, he doesn't mm -hmm. have the time or energy to, to heal me, fix me. It'd be better to just get rid of me entirely. Mm -hmm. and, and to your point of what we've been talking about, that is not the voice of the father. Mm -hmm. That is not what the father says. That is not mm -hmm. what the father, uh, wants us to believe. I mean, even the very beginning of the, the, the Bible, some of the first things he communicates is saw that it was good. He, he, he declared mm -hmm. us good, you know, um, That's right. and, and, and so and to be this able to live where, in that. Yeah, exactly. And this is where we can even like go into other scriptures where it says, as far as the East is from the West, so far do I cast your sins from me that God doesn't remember the sins that we commit when we come to him and ask his forgiveness. So there is a reset button, like really for our sin, yeah. when we go to the sacrament of reconciliation, it also is called the sacrament of healing, you know, and to, so to welcome the healing of God, it's not just about us like saying our sins, but to welcome the healing of God in those areas and to trust that, yeah, there is a clean slate that happens here in the, within this sacrament. Yeah. Or, you know, the other passages where we talk about putting to death the old man. So the mm -hmm. new man might rise or St. Paul, I've been crucified with Christ is no longer I live. What was crucified in Paul was the, the old man, the dead man, the sin that the, what went into the grave with Jesus was sin and death and shame and all these things. And what emerged was who we are meant to be and what we can That's be right. in Jesus Christ, you know? So yeah. again, keeping that all within the context. And, but I love the fact that you said, so what's what's triggering about that? This is a perfect example. That was a very tangible example of, okay, something is coming up within me. How do I discern that with the spirit? And then through the spirit, take action to, mm -hmm. to give it to the father. Mm -hmm. And those are real things. Like when I hear that, yeah. I'm like, oh yes, like that's so real and tender. And like, we need to have like a compassionate disposition for ourselves in those places. Like I have lots of places where I feel incredibly little you know, and I'm just like, really like spiritual poverty, you know, and these are the places where we just need to be tender with ourselves and go, okay, this is part of my story. And there's a reason why that's coming up, you know, and to really dive in there with Jesus, you know, where is this yeah. coming from? When have I felt this way before? What truth, right. God, do you want to speak here? Mm -hmm. Amen. All right. Another question here. This is from Tochi. Uh, please, can you share your experience of how to reconnect when things suddenly crumble? when one is sincerely making efforts to do the will of God. Hmm. Well, I, I don't know exactly what you mean, um, but I can say like, yeah, I, I think all of us experience in life, like when things fall apart, when you feel like you're doing good, I, I often will say, gosh, I feel like I'm at square one again. I've been following the Lord for like 30 years, you know, and here we are. <laughs> here we are again. How am I suddenly at square one? But to yeah. welcome that, like there is a, you know, the Paschal mystery, which is the suffering death resurrection of Jesus is like supposed to be active within our life over and over and over again, that we would walk that journey. Like Jesus says, come follow me. And that is really where we're following him in a spiritual sense throughout our life, or at least we should be. So there is times of suffering and there is times where we feel like, 
you know, there's a death that needs to occur in our life, like a spiritual death, maybe to sin, maybe to brokenness or something like that, that God is leading us through something with the hope of resurrection. And, and then we do live into those times of resurrection. Maybe we've overcome a sin, you know, through God's grace, or, you know, maybe we're, you know, have, have grown in something spiritually. And so to notice like, but that will come back around again, where I'm going to have to suffer again, and I am going to have to die again, and to be okay with that, because we always have to hold, like I said, not in the fog, we have to pop out of the fog mm. and see where we're going. Heaven is the goal. We will experience trouble on this earth, like the scripture says, you know, but heaven is the goal. And so we just stay on that pathway and accept the moments where we again find ourselves in a place, like I said, of real littleness, because God is doing something. Like God is writing this beautiful story within us. No matter where we find ourselves, no matter what falls apart, God puts all things back together again, like within him, the things that are true and good that he desires for us. Some things within us need to fall apart. Like you said, Pete, the old man, like some things need to pass away. And yes, it does feel like a death that's happening, but to trust the hand of God that if we are following him and our hearts truly are for him, and to trust that he is for us, that all of these processes, no matter how uh, dark it seems, that God is bringing about good out of all things for those who love him. Yeah, for those who love him, God. And then also that no trial or temptation is is given to man that, that doesn't come with the grace to overcome it, right? That we have the power to, through, through, his, through his power, we can navigate anything that's put before us. Mm -hmm. um, very good. All right. Well, I think we have time for one more question. Great answer, by the way, to that last one. That, that, that touched my heart. This is from Caitlin. How do you distinguish between your thoughts from my mind versus God's voice during silent prayer? The age old question here. This is a, this is a, this is a doozy. All right, dive in. <laughs> Yeah, I think there's lots of ways to approach this question. And there's a lot of theology that could be talked about with this, but I just kind of want to go to my own personal experience. Um, so I, I find that I have lots of thoughts, just like you all do. And sometimes the enemy is within there as well. You know, so like some are me and some is the enemy and some are these agreements that I've made. So it really sounds like me making it sound even more true because it's like, I know my own voice and I kind of trust my own voice in some ways. And so I think it's important to like, like I said before, like you hold up the things that you're hearing with the truth that God has already revealed. So if I'm feeling something in prayer and I'm like, God, is this your voice or is this just me? Say I'm discerning something that I should do, whether I should do it or not. You know, I hold it up to the truth and I, and I listen. And then I like listen to the movements of my own heart of like, what's going on? Is this decision good? Is it going to bless? Is it, you know, going to, is it filled with shame? Like, you know, you can just go through all of those different things. It's also important, you know, like to, to ask other people, like, and to wait for confirmation of things. If you're not sure, like, this is the growing part. I don't know. Every time I think St. Teresa of Avila said, I think I'm right, like 50% of the time or something. I can't remember yeah. who it was, but it was one of those big things. And I was like, well, she's only right 50% of the time. That makes me feel better, actually, because it's a process of like learning his voice of like, there's a lot of noise in between all the time. And so sometimes we just have to wait on it and we have to test it. You know, we have to sit with it a little bit. Is it something God would say? Is it true? Is it good? Is it beautiful? You know, is it going to lead to life? Is it going to bless? Like, these are all just like little discernment things that I personally use all the time. Um, but I also wait for confirmation and I allow other people to speak into my life. If it's a big thing, you know, or it's like going to create some movement in my life or my family, does it line up with my vocational call? Does it bless my primary vocation or is it in opposition to it? Well, God wouldn't ever put me in a situation that is in opposition to my primary vocation. But I sometimes need a spiritual director for some of those big things, or I need some friends with wisdom or prophetic gifts that can also help me in my discernment. And, and that's important. And I, and I do want to make that point in all the things that I said, you know, I was talking a lot about us and God, but we do need other people on the journey with us to help us learn the voice of God. Sometimes he's going to speak through these other people. Sometimes we need counselors and, you know, people who can pray with us and whatever, who can walk into those um, difficult places with us because we're not meant to do it alone. We're never meant to do it alone. And sometimes the experience of allowing community to be a part of our healing process and for people to be Jesus to us in those vulnerable places is really, really important part. 
Yeah, I've also found it's amazing how often when I write something down in prayer, where it's like a thought that pops in my head, as soon as I actually like put words to it on the page, it's amazing how often I will say like, wow, that that's just wackadoo. Like there's just no way that that could be true. Or it's like, whoa, it kind of jumps back off the page for me. And also when you keep a prayer journal of sorts and then you have almost a log of the way the Lord has spoken to you over the years, it's, so it can be that place to evaluate back. Okay, he said this back in March of 2017. I don't know if this is consistent with what he said back then. You know, this doesn't feel, this. it doesn't sound like the same voice, you know? So sometimes just getting it out there or, or verbalizing it to somebody else, as you said. It's mm -hmm. amazing how often when you think you have a good idea and then you say it out loud, you're like, wow, that sounded really good in my head. And that that is not, <laughs> not, not so good, you know? That's so true. And also checking our desires. Like we need to be mm -hmm. aware of what is motivating what is coming up. Like, is there something within us that we're longing for? You know, it might be like, oh, I feel like God is wanting me to like start this whole big ministry online and really maybe it's not what God wants. Maybe we have a desire to be seen and acknowledged and heard that, that really we need to let God speak into instead of like going ahead with something like that. So I think checking our motives, like what is underneath here? Is there a desire that, that I have to be met that, that only God can meet that I'm trying to bring somewhere else. So I think that's also a good discernment thing. Awesome. Well, we are, we are at our time, but I wanted to give you one final, a minute, if you will, to, this is the Still Small Voice Challenge. We've literally got thousands of people going through this with us to, to step into a greater understanding of the Lord's will in their life, to carve out more space to hear Him, to be in greater union with Him. What would be the one-minute exhortation, inspiration? What's burning on your heart, Heather, that you would love all of us to hear as we close this time together? Well, to quote my good friend, Father Justin, who said on our podcast one day, I have a podcast, Abiding Together podcast, if you want to listen to it, and you can look up this episode because it was just fantastic. And you should. It's very good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he was, he's an exorcist and was just talking about like the voice of the enemy. And he said, we just need to quit talking to the dang snake. And I was like, hmm. yes, like there, we have some decisions to make, you know, like when we look at like the life that God really desires for us we have some choices to make. Like he has laid it all out for us. He's telling us over and over again, I want to speak to you. I want you to know my will. I want to be in deep relationship with you. God is all about intimacy. That's all he wants with us. Even more than our healing, he wants union with us. And so we can get bogged down by looking at other things. So we just got to go, God already has made it so abundantly clear that he wants to be in a deep relationship with me. I have some decisions to make. Is he going to be the Lord of my life or not? You know, am I going to daily give my life to Jesus and open wide the door for him to speak? Not just sometimes, but all the time. Like, am I going to say, God, I want your voice to actually be directing my life to be guiding me in my decisions. And, and Lord, I want your will even more than my own, or let's be honest, maybe we're not there yet. I want to want your will more than more than my own right now. Like to just be brutally honest with God and to just like be open to the adventure that God has, you know, like following the will and the voice of God. What I've learned is that God is really, really playful. He's really, really fun. And the ways that he speaks to me sometimes just make me laugh. Like, I'm just like, I cannot, that you're so funny and so creative. And to just remember that, like life with God, as much as there is suffering and pain on this earth, there is also incredible joy and incredible like satisfaction. Like wherever God is leading you uh, and wherever his voice is going to speak to you and call you closer to him is going to be the best version of your life that you could ever have. And so it comes down to like, will we cooperate with what God is doing? Will we, um, will we really believe like the story that he is speaking and writing over us and, and distinguish the voice of the enemy from that? Amen. Preach. Well, Heather, <laughs> <laughs> this is, uh, this has been very enjoyable. Thank you for your, your heart for the Lord. Thank you for your yes and joining this, this session. Thank you for your podcast. Thank you for your family. Thank you for just the wisdom that you shared with us today. I'm, I'm really grateful to, to know you and I'm really blessed by what you had to say today. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Pete. Thanks for all the work that you're doing and the ministry that you have. And I just, I, I hope that, you know, as people are listening, that they're not be, just being inspired, but that it's really going to draw them into deeper relationship with God to be true disciples. Build Absolutely. the kingdom. Yeah. Amen. amen. All right. Thanks, Heather. 
All right, that was Heather Kim from the Still Small Voice Challenge. If you'd like to see all the videos from that challenge back in the spring, you can go to the uh, ID YouTube channel, and they're all there from the, the live streams. You can see Father John Burns. You can see Heather. Uh, you can see some of the other conversations that we had. All right, I'm going to beat that drum one more time. We're doing another challenge, four-day free experience, God's Power Challenge, idchallenges.com. This has been the hour. We're going to be coming back with some more fresh content and interviews over the next several weeks, so don't go anywhere. Thanks again for listening. Thanks for reviewing. If you've reviewed us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, follow us. Put that review in there. It just helps everybody know that this is something worth listening to. So, I'm Pete Burak. We'll see you soon. God bless.